things part way. He's an all-sufficient God. He's a God that meets every one of our needs. And, uh, and so, with him we don't settle. Amen? Amen. And so I look around today and I see Julie in the back and, and Vicki here sitting in the front row and both of them are experiencing the healing power of God in their lives. And we're not, we don't settle until we see the complete manifestation of that. Amen? And so, Father, I just pray for them today in the name of Jesus. And I declare once again that by the stripes of Jesus they have been healed, that no weapon that the enemy has formed against them is going to prosper because a greater one lives within them. Father, we speak strength and wholeness to their bodies in the name of Jesus. And Father, we declare that they're winners, they're overcomers, and that nothing shall keep them from the fullness of what you've made available to them. And we thank you for it, Father, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, you know, when God created things, he created things with laws, with principles that work. You know, we look outside and we see that white stuff. And, uh, <clears throat> but it's there because of laws and principles that God placed in motion with the weather systems and so forth. And, you know, we, we, we often talk about the law of gravity and and the thing about the law of gravity is that whether you believe it or not, it works. You don't have to believe in gravity, but if you step off a stepladder, you're going to fall, whether you believe it or not, because it's a law that he's placed in motion. And, uh, and so there's physical laws. You know, and so just like the law of gravity to overcome the law of gravity, there's got to be a greater law that's enforced, the law of thrust or the law, uh, you know, that, that'll lift the plane into the air. But there's, there's spiritual laws as well. And I think oftentimes when we think about the law in reference to the Bible, we think of um, the fact that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law that we're no longer under the laws, that the laws have been placed in our heart. But that doesn't take away from the fact that when God created things, spiritual laws, he created them to operate, and they operate all the time. And if we don't apply or enforce those laws, we won't see the manifestation of it. And so today what I want to talk to you is I want to talk about a biblical law we're going to be dealing with scriptures that you're all probably very familiar with. But I want to talk with you about a spiritual law, and it's the law of receiving. And I think oftentimes people have the idea that because we, we live under the dispensation of grace, that automatically the promises of God, the things of God are going to manifest in our life. But even if you go back to Galatians, it says, for by grace we've been saved through faith. 
And I know we've talked about this, but I just want to reiterate the fact that grace is God's part. Grace is what God extends to you and I. But even though it's been given to us and it's been provided to us by faith, uh, by, by, by His grace, we still by faith need to receive what Jesus is, has given to us. And it's important for us to apply to act in faith. In Hebrews it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so that didn't, that hasn't ended, it won't end. And so, so it's still faith that pleases God. And it's pleasing to God because we demonstrate to Him that we trust Him, but it also allows Him to pour upon our life, pour into our life, those things that He so desires for us to have, for us to experience. And so Jesus made deliverance, healing, prosperity, abundance, and everything else, He made it available to each and every one of us. But the way that we receive that is by, by applying the laws that he placed in motion, the law of receiving, which involves the law of faith. Because it's by faith that we receive what he's already done for us. And the way that faith comes, as we know, is from, through Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so the number one thing the enemy wants to do is he wants to keep us from the Word. Wants to keep that Word from taking root in our lives because if the Word of God takes root in our lives, that Word will produce. Do you know why? Because that's what the Word does. It's like a seed. It's like any seed. You, you put that seed in the proper conditions and that seed will grow. And the reason that that seed grows is because that's what seeds do. They grow. And when the Word of God is released in our life and it takes root, faith comes. Why? Because that's what the Word of God does in our life. It produces faith. And when we have faith, the Bible says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so let's <clears throat> turn in our Bibles um, to Mark, the sixth chapter, uh, excuse me, the fourth chapter. And I know this is a portion of Scripture you're all very familiar with, but, um, you know, in the words of Peter, my responsibility as a pastor is to remind you of the things of God. Do you realize that there's really nothing new under the sun? You know, I... <clears throat> um, got a notice on Facebook this morning that uh, Clear Lake Agape Church was having to cancel their church service because of weather. And, uh, um, you know, this was going to be the 33rd anniversary of the Toynes becoming uh, pastor at Agape in Clear Lake. And they said, you know, it's interesting uh, 33 years ago when we were to be set in place uh, the service was canceled because of weather. And so here they are celebrating the 33rd anniversary and it's once again canceled uh, because, of, because of weather. Well thank God no weather stopped us. Amen. Amen. And so 
Here we, you know, Paul said, my purpose is to remind you of these truths, of these principles. So I'm here this morning to remind you of these truths and these principles because they're so essential for us to be able to experience the abundant life that was made available for us. And so in Mark, the fourth chapter, the first verse, it says, And again he, Jesus, began to teach by the seed. And a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by principles, and he said to them in his, in his teachings, Listen. And so he, here they are there to hear him, but he says, listen. And so when we go through these things, it's not just about hearing it. You know, because you can hear a lot of things. But you have to, you have to listen. You know, one of the faults that I've had over the years is that I've heard, but I haven't always listened. You know, and so I've learned that if I want to not just simply hear, but I want to listen, I have to turn my attention to what was focused on and upon what I want to hear, what I want to listen to. Still working on that one. But you know, that's how it is with the Word of God. Oftentimes we hear the Word, but we don't listen. And so it's just noise that's going through our head. We, we all have so many, there's so many voices out there. There's so many noises out there. And so many of those noises distract us. And so many of those noises are, you know, are, are wanting to get our attention so that our attention is off of the things of God. And so he said, listen. So he wants us to hear this. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell on the wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on rocky, so, on rocky ground. There it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But the, when the sun was up, it's, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no crop. But other seeds fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now he's not talking about these physical things that stick out from our head. He's talking about our inner ear, that we hear the things that he's talking about concerning the kingdom of God. Jesus was teaching this word to the people, and he wanted them to hear what he was telling them. Though we're under grace, that doesn't mean that we no longer need the word. And I have the idea sometimes that people feel that way. That because 
now I'm under grace because I've gotten a hold of the message of grace. I don't really need the word anymore because everything is available to me by grace. And that's right. But you know, it's an interesting thing. You can't receive something if you don't know that it's available to you. If you don't know that it's been provided for us. And, and so what the word of God does is it reveals to us what Jesus, through his grace and mercy, has made available to each and every one of us, that by faith, we can receive what Jesus has already made available to us. But we've got to be, we've got to know, we've got to be aware of it. You know, <clears throat> grace isn't a new thing revealed to us, or let me rephrase that. Grace isn't a new thing that's been made available to us through Andrew Womack. Grace has belonged to us since the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So for 2,000 years, grace has been made available to us, but oftentimes, speaking for myself, I didn't avail myself of it. I didn't take advantage of it because I didn't know that it was available to me. But guess what? When I find out that Jesus made something available to me, I receive it in Jesus' name. When I found out that by grace I've been saved through faith and that of myself, my, it's a gift of God, I receive salvation through the grace of my Lord and Savior Jesus. When I found out healing was made available to me, not because of my behavior, but because of the grace of God in my life, I received that in Jesus' name. When I realized that prosperity was made available to me through the grace of God, through the word of God, I took advantage of it. And that's how we ought to be with everything that Jesus has made available to us. And it's about the ground. It's about me. See, it's about me. It's not about Jesus. If there's a shortcoming, the shortcoming is always about me. Greatest lesson I ever learned. God's right. I'm wrong. About what, Pastor Dave? Anything we don't agree on. He's always right because he's God. And so my position then is to find out what God has made available to me because he's made his will available to me. And he wants me to walk in it. He wants me to walk in the fullness of it. Well, let's read on. If you got ears, <laughs> let's hear today. Let's listen today. Because it really isn't about what I have to say to you. It's about what this has to say to you. And so hear the word today. Then in the 10th verse it says, But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, 
All things come in parables to you. And it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom. And again, we've talked about this too. When the Bible talks about the mystery, we think about a mystery. We think about reading a mystery novel and we think about something that's kept from us until the, the very end so that it can have a great climax. But it's kept from us till the end. The mystery of God hasn't been kept from us. It's been kept for us. And so if we're in the kingdom, the mysteries of the kingdom, they're revealed to us. The mystery of the rapture of the church has been made a it's been revealed to us. The mystery of Jesus and the body of Christ, that we are his body here on earth, it's been revealed to us. That the church is the body of Christ manifest on the earth to perform and accomplish his will on the earth. That's been revealed to us. And so these mysteries have not been kept from us, but they've been revealed to us. Why have they been revealed to us? They've been revealed to us so that we can have hope, so that we can walk in victory, so that we can experience everything that Jesus has made available to us. And so he said to them, to you, to us, has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those on the outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sin be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? And so he shared with it with them in a parable. And he says, don't you understand this? And he says, how then? Well, do you understand all the parables? And he's basically saying, if we don't understand this parable, we're not going to understand any of the parables. And if we can't understand any of the parables, we're not going to understand the mysteries that have been revealed to us through Christ Jesus. And so in his understanding of the significance and the importance of his disciples understanding the parable, he explained it to them. And he goes on then and he says, the sower sows the word. So he can't make it any clearer than that. The seed that's been sown in our lives is the word of God. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones on the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And we've talked about this from the standpoint of how when we hear the word of God, when we hear a truth of God, what does the enemy do? He wants to steal it immediately. You know, in the most critical time, when you've gone to church, when you leave, the most critical time is when you go out those doors and you get in your car and you're on your way home and <clears throat> something immediately aggravates you. 
somebody cuts you off, somebody doesn't stop at the stop sign like they, used, they ought to, and <laughs> just what are those people thinking? What's it all about? It's all about getting your mind off of what you just heard because the enemy wants to steal the word from you. Amen. Why, why is it that the Bible makes such an emphasis on forgiveness and letting things go? Because without that, we allow things to dominate us, to control us, to keep our thoughts off of the things of God, and to keep our thoughts on everything else. And so he says, when we hear, Satan comes immediately. Immediately. Everybody say immediately. immediately. Not in a while. Comes immediately. Why? Because he knows that if he can uproot that seed before it, or rather get the seed before it can take root. How does the seed take root in our life? We're going to be looking at this later, but it, Joshua 1.8 says that we're to meditate on the word day and night. For then we will make our way prosperous and we'll have good success. The enemy doesn't want you to have good success. And so what he wants to do is take the, the word from you, the seed from you, so it doesn't have an opportunity to produce in your life. And so it says, comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in your hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on rocky ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, notice for whose sake the persecution comes. Because of the word's sake. It isn't just because Somebody said something mean about you. That isn't persecution. Persecution is when you've taken a stand for the word of God. And a consequence of taking a stand for the word of God, people may say evil of you or, you know, I mean, you know, it's really tough, you know, because somebody might call you a Bible thumper or a fanatic or... A Jesus freak. Oh, heaven forbid that would be called Jesus freaks. Heaven forbid if we're not. It's like I heard somebody say one time, if you were sent to court to be, for being a Christian, would they have enough evidence against you to convict you? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Amen. There ought to be enough evidence against us to convict us. Thank you for that rousing amen. Praise the Lord. Now these are the ones, and, and, and immediately they stumble. Why? Because of something that was said or whatever it may be. Afterwards, when tribulation comes, the word sake, they amen. 18th verse. And these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones that hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Notice what kind of ground it's sown on? 
good ground. And these are the ones uh, sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and others a hundredfold. You know what it's about? It's about producing fruit. You know what the grace of God is about when it comes and it's planted in our lives? It's about bearing fruit. Anything that is healthy bears fruit. It reproduces itself. And that's what the seed, the Word of God, is to do within our lives. It's to produce. It's to reproduce. He's saying that this parable is so important because if we don't understand this parable, we're not going to understand any of the parables or we're not going to see the manifestations of the promises of God in our life as we ought. And so what he's saying is the key element, the seed doesn't change. Notice it was the same seed that fell on the roadside, that fell among the rocks, that fell among the thorns, that produced 30, 60, 100 fold. It was the same seed. Is always the same seed. So it's not about the seed. The seed will produce. It's about the soil. It's about the preparation of the soil. We're the soil. Our heart is the soil. When we hear the word of God, that's the seed of God, the seed of the word of God being planted in our hearts. So it's about us. How have we prepared the soil? What have we done with that seed once that seed has been planted in our life? Do we watch over it? Do we care for it? Do we water it? Do we protect it from those things that want to steal it, that wants to take the truth away from us. You know, I already quoted Romans 10, 17, where it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I've also looked at Joshua 1, 8, where it says that we're to meditate on the word day and night. Why are we to why are we to meditate on the Word of God? You know, and that sounds like such a new age term. Meditate just simply means think about it. Do you ever just think about the Word of God? Because in our thinking about the Word of God, we, we water it. We water that seed. We we allow the roots of that seed to run deep in our life. You know, when we were first saved in the 70s and 80s, when we first began to hear the, the message of faith, and with the message of faith, there was a, they, they called it the confession message. And there were, there were some extremes with it. But with the confession message, what it was, was you would you'd take the Word of God and you would, you would confess it for yourself. You would take the Word of God and, and where it said, 
by the stripes of Jesus we've been healed. You would take that word and you'd make it personal. And you'd say, by the word of God, I have been healed by the stripes of Jesus. He desires to prosper and give you health even as your soul prospers. My Lord Jesus desires for me to prosper and for me, David Schroeder, to be in health even as my soul prospers. And so I'd take that word and we'd take that word and we'd, we'd, we'd go over and over and over it. Many of the songs that we sang in our Bible studies and even when we started our church in Wapaka and then here were, <clears throat> were songs that were written by a guy by the name of David Ingalls. Nobody even recognized that any longer except for a select few. But all of David Ingalls' songs were based on Scripture. And most of them were basically just taking a Scripture and putting a melody to it. So a lot of the Scriptures that we learned, we learned by singing them. You know, there's something about singing stuff. You just, you just kind of learn it. It isn't based on how good you sing. It's whether, it isn't even about whether you can carry a tune. <clears throat> it's about what you think in your head because all of us in our head, we think we can sing. Got information for some people. <laughs> we won't go there. But see, the word is so important. We need to see it as being so important in our lives so that we experience the fullness. He desired, you know, <clears throat> Joshua 1.8, meditate on the word day and night. We'll make our way prosperous. And <clears throat> prosperity here isn't just, it isn't talking about money. Money's included. But it isn't just talking about money. Biblical prosperity touches every area of your life. We're to prosper in our health, in our social life, in our, our finances, in our spiritual life. In every area of our life, He desires for us to prosper and have good success. You know, many of us in the natural have experienced success. But is it good success? Because good success means that we're successful in every single area of our life. And so I don't know about you, I don't want to just simply be successful in one area, not in another area. I mean, every Monday night I visit guys that have had very, had much success in their life. And you say, well, they're in prison. Yeah, they were successful in one area of their life, but not in others. Didn't say anything about whether they got their success legally or not. I'm just saying, I mean, I talked with a guy Monday night. He remembers growing up in his dad, with his dad who was a dealer. And he says, I remember in our house, we had not $100 bills. We had $5,000, not $5,000 bills and stacks of them. We had to look at that and say, whoa, that dude was successful. Yeah, and he spent the last part of his life in prison. That's not good success. God wants us to have good success in every area of our life. And how does that come into manifestation? Through his word. And so what has to happen then 
And that's why the meditation part of it is so important. It's so that we remain focused. Remember the last part of the verse that we, let, we read? Talked about the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things. Those are things that will distract our focus. To distract us from the standpoint of making us come to the point where we believe that these things are more important than the things of God. Nothing's more important than the things of God. And so we have to make a determination. We have to be determined that we're going to have a strong root. The way that we have a strong root is by hearing the word of God, and but then by focusing upon the, the word of God, focusing our attention upon it, giving it its proper place in each of our lives. But then we're going to read on in verse 21. And it says, and he said to them, and so he's, he shared this parable of parables with them and given them the definition of what it, what it means and what it's, what it's all about. And he's told them that if we will practice the principles that he's revealed in the parable, that we're, we're going to experience fruit, 30, 60, 100-fold increase in our life. But then he goes on and he says, also he said to them, is a lamp brought, brought to put under a bush, basket, or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept silent, but that it should, be, should come to light. If you have ears to hear, let him hear. And so these truths aren't something to be hidden in our lives. It's to be evident. It's to bear fruit. You know, the Bible school that I went to was Christian Outreach School of Ministries. It was founded by an ex-Missouri Lutheran pastor who, as he put it, got the left foot of fellowship because he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the manifestation of tongues. But oftentimes when we would talk, he'd talk about how so many of his pastor friends had experienced the same experience that he had experienced, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the manifestation of tongues. But they were, how would you say this? Closet Holy Ghost preachers because they didn't want anybody to know because, as he put it, they were afraid of losing the four Ps. Pastor, paycheck, paycheck, parsonage, prestige. So here they have this truth from God's word. Amen. We know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience subsequent to salvation made available to every born-again believer. And it's his will for every man, woman, and child, not just simply to experience salvation, but to experience the fullness of the Spirit so that they might walk in the fullness of the Spirit and demonstrate the fullness of the Spirit 
to a lost and dying world that has no hope without Jesus. But they took this truth and they buried it in their closet. Why? Because of what man might think. And that's where we're at today with so much of the church. It's more important to be acceptable than to be spiritually correct. Or it's more important to be acceptable than share with the congregation that which the Holy Ghost has revealed to you. Let me tell you something. If I got up here on, you know, somebody's probably thinking right now, why do we have to talk about the Holy Spirit? You know, that's just divisive. No, it's not. The devil's divisive. Jesus baptized us in the Holy Ghost to bring us together. But because of the lie of the enemy, we look at it and we say, it's divisive. No, it's not. The Word brings us together. The moment that we refuse to accept the fullness of the Word of God, that's when division comes. And so for me to stand up here on a Sunday morning and say to you that I'm not going to talk anymore about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it's really not that important. I would be lying to you. I would be misrepresenting my Savior. I would be misrepresenting the Holy Spirit. And I'd be taking something away from the Word of God. And the Bible says if I'm going to do that, I better look out. And so, I don't want to have to look out. So I'm sharing the truth with you because... It's life-changing. Now, why did I get on that? I have absolutely no idea, but it must have been needed. And so, here they are. They've, they've kept this. This gift of God. They've kept it from them. We need to know the truth. Because it's that truth that sets us free. Verse 21. i got to start over because I don't know where I was at. Also he said to them, Is a lamp brought to put under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. Is the truth of God's word given to put in under a basket or under the bed? No. It's to shout from the rooftops. That's why our testimony is so important. Our testimony is what Jesus has done in my life. Our testimony is, no matter what the circumstances are, we overcome because of what Jesus has done for us. Is it not to be set on a lampstand? It's to be there for everybody to see. For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed. Nor has anything been kept secret. Notice there he's talking about the mystery. Nor has there been anything kept secret, but that should, be, should come to light. If you have ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, take heed how you hear. Whoa. Take heed how you hear. Be careful what you're hearing. Um, where was I? Thank you. Take heed 
what you hear. With the same measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. And again, he's not just talking about you heard something. You're listening. You're hearing. For whoever has, you know, and this is, this is so unpolitically correct. Totally unpolitically correct in the society that we live in today. It says, for whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Well, that's not fair. Well, the thing about it is he's not withholding anything from anybody. But you know what? If we don't hear right, we won't apply right. And if we don't apply right, we won't appropriate right. And if we don't appropriate right, we won't experience the increase that you and I are to experience in our lives. Because if we have the increase, then there is no need because we have more than enough that we can supply the need of those that haven't heard until they finally come to the place that they hear. Don't ask me to repeat that. But the problem is, because of entitlement, people receive with no expectation, and with no expectation, they see no need to give, and because they see no need to give, they don't give, and because they don't give, they don't receive, and so they'll always be in need to receive. Don't ask me to repeat that either. But it's the truth. Pastor, you're mean. No, I'm not. I'm loving. I love people so much that they don't have to depend upon anybody else. They don't have to depend upon the government. They don't have to depend upon somebody else. They're so sufficient within themselves through the blessings of Christ Jesus and the increase that he's bringing into their lives Amen. that they're able to meet the needs of others. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Do you know why that is? That means that if you have enough to give, your needs are met. And you have an abundance above that you can give to somebody else. That's a good place to be. Now the problem is if you think you've earned it and you've not received it as a result of faith in the completed works of Jesus, you think you own it. You think you've earned it yourself and so you deserve to get to spend it all. Now we might as well hit everybody this morning, praise the Lord. No, you're blessed with the blessings of God and as a result of that, you're his steward. And as, your, as his steward, you get to use what he's empowered you with for his kingdom. That's true. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. It is true. And he said, 
get back to him. <laughs> Everybody say, we love you, Pastor Dave. Hallelujah. Now say it again like you mean it. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed shall sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. Pastor, if I gave tithes and offerings, I don't know how we would make it. You're in a good place then. Because he says you don't have to know. Remember being in Wapaka and we, our salary was 60% of the offering, which is pretty good if you've got a big church, but I remember the Sunday our offering was $39 and some odd cents and we had three kids in private school and paying a house payment. and We thought we should figure out a budget. And so he sat down, and then I'm not opposed to budgets. So don't, don't take what I'm saying that you shouldn't have a budget. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we sat down to figure out a budget. We figured out what we had coming, going out. And then we had looked at what we had coming in. And we thought, well, we better just keep doing what we're doing. What we were doing was we were just paying our bills. And we, we never missed a bill. Never got a late bill for school, never, never got a late bill on our house payment or utilities or anything else. As I've said, obviously, I never missed a meal. I don't, I don't know how. Two years in Wapaka, Wisconsin. And uh, we lived in I don't know how. The only thing that we could attribute it to was that we were tithers. <coughs> Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Shall men give unto your bosom, bosoms. We, we did get some checks from people that I never would have thought. But by and large, somehow, you know, that, that's where that prayer comes in. Some way, somehow. Some way, somehow. We made it. That's a God we serve. And so when we're obedient to his word, we don't know how it comes about. All that we know is he provides. Hallelujah. I have no idea where I'm at again. 28? I'm going to go back to 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is like a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow for himself. He does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately puts in the sickle because harvest has come. Love harvest time. Praise the Lord. But there's a process that's involved. The process is the first thing that has to happen is the seed has to be sown. He said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? 
Or with what parable shall we picture it? It's like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is the smallest, is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and sprouts out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest in its shade. Well, you know, Pastor, I just don't have much. Doesn't take much. Takes a seed. The smallest of seeds. The size of a mustard seed. And they say that this, this mustard seed that he's talking about here is the black mustard seed. When we were in Israel, you know, they would sell you some if you wanted them. I probably could go out someplace and harvest them ourselves. I don't know. <clears throat> but we didn't get any. But we saw them. They, they were tiny. And it says it's the smallest of all the seeds. The smallest seed. Well, I can't give as much as somebody else. Who cares? It's not about the muchness. It's about the seed. It's about faith. It's about obedience. It's about believing that when I practice and operate within the Word of God, He's going to grant me the increase. He says it's the largest. And so we may sow a little, but it's going to grow. Good ground does not have anything more than the other types of ground have. They actually have less. They have fewer weeds. They have fewer rocks. And so what it's talking about is the preparation. Talking about the focus. You know, it tells us in Hebrews 12 too that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. That he's not just the one we look to to get saved. He's the one we look to to remain saved and to continue to grow in all the blessings that he's made available to us. It's all about Jesus. Really isn't even about me. It's about Jesus and looking to him. He gives us the fruitfulness. He's the one that allows the seed to sprout and to grow and to produce. Let's read on in verse 33. And with many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But notice, as they were able to hear it. You know, it's really interesting, you know, Jesus, of course, <laughs> as he taught the parables and so forth, it was before his death, burial, and his resurrection. And so they really weren't prepared to really walk in those parables unless he explained it to them. And even then, they weren't really able to until after his death, burial, and resurrection. And isn't it interesting, Peter, John, Paul, none of them wrote to us their letters to us. None of them were in parables. 
All of them were straightforward truth that was given to us that we might be able to take and walk in the fullness of it. But notice what he says here. And with many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear. Are we able to hear? Do we set ourselves in a position to truly hear the word of God? Because there are so many things coming against us, so many distractions that want to get our attention, get our focus off of what the word is saying. I mean, we hear something and it's a little different than what we've heard it before. And immediately we're bombarded with all of these thoughts. And the bombardment is to keep us from focusing, from hearing what the word really has to say to us. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And another little boat, and, and other little boats were also with him. And a great storm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, sleeping on a pillow. Now, isn't that irritating? And it's kind of like when I used to, I, I remember I was upset with something one night, one time, and I'd lay at bed at night, and at bed, nighttime would always come to me, and I'd lay there, and I'd think about it, and think about it, and roll, and toss, and think about it, and think about it, and roll, and toss, and think about it, and think about it, and finally one night it hit me. That person is sleeping. I'm laying here allowing it to torment me. And I made a decision. I ain't going to do that anymore. And so I forgave him and said, I'm going on with it. And I sleep. That's Pastor Becky, I sleep really good. Glory to God. Sometimes it irritates her. Because I breathe heavy. Hallelujah. But here they are. They're in the boat. And Jesus is sleeping. Why is Jesus sleeping? Because he said, let's go to the other side. And his thinking it was already done. And he was in the stern sleeping on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? It's so dramatic. Ever notice how dramatic it gets when you're in crisis? And they're in crisis because they're going to sink. And so it gets so dramatic, and so they're so dramatic. And he rose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And there he feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be 
that even the wind and the sea obey him. Well, he's the one that told you to do it. He's the one that told you that if you had faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things you say shall be done and will have whatever you say. He's the one who told you that you ought to speak to this storm. Peace, be still. Well, when did he tell him that? Well, he had given him his word. He had given them authority. He had given them the right, the privilege. And that's what he's given us. But you know what? I don't want to be foolish. I don't want to be faithless. I want to pre be prepared that when the storm comes, I have to be awakened because I'm so settled, I'm so confident in what Jesus has told me in his word that I'm resting. The book of Hebrews, one of the main themes of the book of Hebrews is for us to battle to enter into the rest. What is the rest? The rest is the confidence that what Jesus said He's done, he's done. And therefore it's done because of Jesus. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Keep your heart. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. That's why we're to Watch what we hear. Watch what we focus on. Watch what we meditate on. Watch what we think on. Guard our hearts. Because everything in the world is there to steal from us what Jesus has provided for us. In Matthew 13, 19, same account it says, And whenever anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes to snatch away what was sown in the heart. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside. Example of wayside, a heart whose desires are not focused upon the word of God. We need to be focused upon him. Proverbs 4, 7 says, let all you're getting, with all you're getting, get understanding. How do we get understanding? We get understanding by understanding, by knowing what's made and made, been made available to us and why. You know, Tuesday night at the men's meeting, I, I shared this line from Dr. Cole. He says, you know, <clears throat> uh, how, how does that go? The manager, the worker knows how the Repeat it again. Yeah. The worker knows how, the, the, the owner knows why. That's how it is with the Word of God. We can know how to function within the kingdom of God. But do we know why? 
Because God loves us. Because he's invested his authority in our lives that we might walk in him. 1 Peter 1, 23, it says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. That means it's never going to go away. It's always there for us. And then finally, John 15, 16, it says, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and do what? Bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. And so, we're to bear fruit. What's this all about? It's about you and I bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. That means what Jesus has done for us, we don't put it under the bed. We put it on the lampstand for everybody to see. That our lives might truly be that living testimony that demonstrates the goodness and the love of God. Amen? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that it's a seed that's been sown in our hearts. And Father, we choose to guard that seed, to protect that seed, to water that seed, to nourish that seed, that it might grow. And Father, we are a productive people. That seed that's been sown in our hearts, it produces 30, 60, 100 fold. And so Father, we have great expectations that everything that you said in your word were to do, we can do it. Because we don't do it in our own strength and ability. Because we do all things through Christ as he strengthens us. And through the anointing of the Holy Spirit that abides within us. So Father, continue to guide and direct us. And we choose to follow, to be obedient, to see your will done in the earth. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Be blessed. And as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Give somebody a hug and let them know you love them.